Welcome to Coming Along Nicely. We're two brothers, Rich and Tim, who recently went back to school. Every week, we're discussing one thing we're learning in our classes, and we want to invite you to come along with us. We want to hear two things. We want to hear a story, and we want to hear a human perspective. Research changed my mind on the initial argument I was going to make. The more serious you get about trying to make your point, making sure everybody knows that I'm trying to make a point, you're ensuring that people won't actually listen. We'll throw something at the wall and see what sticks. I was going to say, it's it's an interesting class for the show, for me, Is this it? time around. It's just a really dense subject. Um, so, so this semester, I'm taking uh, diagnosis of mental disorders. And you might think like, wait a minute, isn't that kind of what you took last semester? Yeah. But last semester, I took abnormal psychology. That's where I learned like the basics of what certain disorders are. And then in this semester, it's like, well, here's every symptom and anything that could lead into it. And like, oh, uh, schizophrenic symptoms can be caused by medication. Here's every medication and why. So kind of uh, like it's like the same the same subject matter, but kind of making it practical from out of the abstract into the more practical yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Like it takes it from like the theoretical. Here's like, I think you said it better. Here's abstractly what this disorder is. And then this class is more specifically like, like last class was like, here's what Thai food is. And this class is like, here's how to make pad Thai. That's um really intimidating. Because I've, I've thought about this yes. before with like just – medical doctors, family doctor, I guess, whatever you call it, where it's just crazy kind of taking in symptoms and having to narrow down what somebody has with, you know, in in a lot of diseases, a lot of sicknesses, there are more like physical or I guess more like outward things, outward symptoms that you're drawing from. But yeah, I feel like with what you're doing, it se- I mean, it seems like that's like all in somebody's head. That would be really difficult to diagnose. Yeah. And that's more what I wanted to talk about, whether that's now or later, is this additional book we're listening to that was written by a psychiatrist, I think. Uh, and she talked about like some hesitancies people have when approaching the mental health field as customers. Like whether it's like stigma. One of the stigmas was like, well, like psychology and psych, like psychology and uh, psychiatry, they're not like actual sciences. It was kind of a blend of three things. They don't think it's an actual science. Um, they think that diagnosis can change drastically from one clinician to another, and that medicine functions differently on one person to another. Now, starting at the third one. And I'll make this brief and then you can talk about what classes you're taking. Um, Starting with the third one, medicine does work differently on different people um, when it comes to this field. Like there are some Medicaid, like for bipolar disorder, for instance, that's a, that's a disorder that's the treatment is medication and you do kind of have to work and find that sweet spot like too much. And it might trigger, like some symptoms, not enough, and it might like get you through a depressive season, but not like a manic episode. So that is part of his finding that sweet spot, because like you said, it's not like. It's it's all internal in the brain, and it's all more watching how people act rather than like, how does your leg feel? Um, the second one with diagnosis as being different is why I'm kind of intimidated by this side of the field. I'm very interested. I look forward to doing it, but like, man, essentially the author said like diagnosis is differ because like clinician skill differs. Like good clinicians should come to the same diagnosis. It's when someone misses something or stops thinking of something. And, um, it, yeah, it can be intimidating. And then the first one, it not being scientific. I think that's because I think it's kind of, that one's because of the, the two I just mentioned, 
um, because it can feel so like, well, throw something at the wall and see what sticks. And because like there can be such different diagnoses. And I think another thing too right now is that like a lot of mental health stuff is very pop culture. Like you're hearing people just wear diag like they're self-diagnosing and wearing it on their sleeves. So it kind of is easy to poke holes in that because like, I don't know. It kind of loses its credibility when people are self-diagnosing. Like it'd be kind of ridiculous if like someone was like, well, I I self-diagnosed myself with like type two diabetes. I just really had some symptoms and I'm changing my life around because of it. Right. Like the lowest common not or not even the lowest common denominator. But if you take the. The most base version of anything, you can kind of delegitimize it. True. And that's that's what people True. are most familiar with. But so but with the I think it was like the first and second points you were saying, is there is there such thing as people getting a second opinion when it comes to mental health things? Like I've I've definitely heard of people switching counselors because they mm-hmm. didn't fit with who they were with, that sort of thing. But the same way a doctor you might get like a second opinion on a diagnosis is that a thing i i'm not sure to say like oh yeah it is but i feel like it should be um especially with psychiatry which is where like you're meeting with someone who can prescribe you medication i feel like you should definitely be able to in that regard um, yeah but i'm i'm also not 100% sure and I feel like I'm going to have to ask my professor that because that is a very, a very good point. What I know is, that in the like as counselors, we're s- supposed to seek like supervision and always be like checking notes with like a cohort of people. Um, so like you shouldn't just be like diagnosing as an island. But I don't know. I don't know the practice behind a client being like, "Well, I'd like a second opinion." Uh, that's a good yeah. question. May I mean, maybe people would before they start taking medicine, but not as much before if it was just like cognitive behavioral therapy or something. But I, I wanted. OK, so I understand the difference between um, what it's psychology and psychiatry yeah in terms of what they are but what is the difference in terms of i guess credentialing for psychiatry like if you wanted to do that specifically is that a different degree or is that what's the training for that i believe it's phd i don't know what is required after the phd it might be just a phd but i think it's a phd and something else yeah just a PhD. Yeah, just just a PhD, no big deal. Which like a PhD, like to go more into that, it's it's a lot of like research sub subjects. It's a lot of like um tests and kind of developing maybe some of your own theories uh, and testing that against other people. So it it is already just in the program itself more geared toward um psychiatry. So Which now I'm so paranoid I'm saying that wrong. (laughs) Oh, really? I think that's Which I don't know what else would be. Psychiatry? Psychiatry? No, that doesn't sound right. No, it's definitely psychiatry. I, as I started saying it, I was good on that one. And then I double, I second guessed psychology. Like not the pronunciation. Saying them right next to each other? Yeah. Is this the right word? Yeah, it messes with you. Um. Um, so that's my class. What are you, yeah. What are you taking this semester? Yeah. Um, well, I was going to ask one more question about that. So, oh, sure. Is this class then? Cause I, I, I'm assuming it's the same as a lot of your other classes that is like a shorter term, like eight weeks or something. Is that right? Oh yeah. No, no, you're correct. This is also an eight week course. So is it like, for eight weeks, is it just studying all the possible symptoms and then you're just familiarizing yourself with them? 
Yes. So it's this test, this test, this class more than others is very quiz heavy. Um, and then also every week, like this week I learned, I kind of read through the DSM, like in like learning disorders and then also, um, some, some behavioral, um, like disorders and then the schizophrenic disorders. So then tomorrow when I have time to do some homework, uh, or at least the rest of my homework, I also have to do like two detailed diagnoses based on prompts given by the counselor or by the mm. counselor, by the teacher. So it's very like, here's a test, like get your flashcards out, know what these things are. Here's like practice diagnosing and show me where these symptoms present themselves. Um, so it's very, I'm glad that I'm taking just one class this eight weeks. Um, but even like, I know I've said this before, I'm, I am a slow reader. Um, I think my comprehension's okay, but it just, it takes so much for me to just sit down and do a large chunk of reading. And between Monday and Tuesday, I read the DSM-5. That's the book we're using. It's the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual, 5th edition. I was reading it for 12 hours. I had like Dang. two six-hour days of reading and just, oh, it's just dense. Do you start in the morning? Yeah, I'll usually go like, probably like start around 10 or 10.30. I'll do like a late start, kind of like ease into the day, go to a coffee shop, get a coffee. Um fiddle around on my phone, kind of adjust to the coffee shop, and then I'll start yeah. reading. Yeah, I've found that uh, kind of the same thing, like not not the time per se, but starting to read before I get into the swing of other things, not even into the swing of things, but like if I, uh, you know, hear something, listen to a podcast or like watch a YouTube video or something before I start reading. Or even if I like go to work and then come back and I have to start reading, it is not nearly as good as when I like start the day with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, like I heard it. somebody That's talk about dense. like energy. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard somebody talk about how like, you know, look at your day as like, these are the energy blocks that I have. Like if you have like so many, like coins of energy to spend, whether you're introverted or extroverted. Like if you have like seven coins of energy to spend, like seven, I'm just making that number up. But like, how are you going to spend it? And once he said that, or once I kind of saw that, it kind of changed how I looked at schoolwork because I'd always save it till the end of the day um, and just be exhausted. And then it'd be like, eight or nine o'clock and me not really wanting to do schoolwork. So I kind of force myself out early in the morning because it also takes me forever to do it. So I can't like, I can't have it get to the point where it's like late in the day and I'm trying to get done. Cause I know I'll just not retain it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting Balance. I, I don't think I have, I don't think I'll have quite that issue this semester. Um, well, I don't know. So I'll, I'll get into it. So this semester I'm taking advanced expository writing, which that is like writing nonfiction where, you know, last semester I was in fiction writing. This is essentially nonfiction writing. It is like every week or so we're writing a an essay of like 850 words to like 1250 which is well that's exactly what I do on the substack so oh it's kind of my bread and butter sort of i think it's going to be you know uh i guess an easy class but at the same time i'm not trying to brush it off i like really want to get better because this is what I, what I do. Um, so I'm in that class and then I'm in Spanish B. Uh, and then those are my only two like classes. So it was kind of weird. Cause this was the first week 
And our weeks start on Wednesday, which means our semester starts on Wednesday. And so anyway, my only day on campus was Friday. So Friday felt like Monday because it was the first day of school. And just it, my whole sense of time is super messed up right now. It's also really weird because uh, up home, it, it hasn't been that cold over the winter break. And I came down here and it is super cold down here. And so between really, the, yeah, like between changing just location and starting the semester. But like my first day of school was on Friday. I just have no idea what is going on. I feel like I need to get into a better rhythm. Um, it's but, probably so, all that culture shock. Yeah, it's just a lot of change. Um, that has been that that's been the interesting thing about like my life lately. And it's probably the same thing for you too, somewhat, but with me, like literally moving, it seems like every time I get into a routine, it changes. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. going back to Ohio and now all my classes are different times. And uh, so anyway, I'm taking those two classes, advanced expository and Spanish. So it's a pretty easy load. And then I'm also doing, I think it's technically called like research internship or something, um, which is pretty much like a direct study on a subject. So Hmm. I'll be meeting with uh, one of the professors and like one or two other students weekly but we all select our own topics and we're just researching on them throughout the week. And then he is sort of advising us on, on that research. So it'll be any ideas what you want to do. Yeah. For that one, uh, I have a pretty decent idea. I'm trying to make it match. So, so that, research internship is taking the place of or i guess i could say it's like satisfying the requirement of a certain class that i need to graduate that that just hasn't been available so i somewhat need it to match within what that class is um but also i'm trying to make it uh i'm trying to also line it up with like a personal project that I actually want to do. So I'm sort of leaving with something. So anyway, I'm taking an idea that I've had for like a nonfiction book and I'm going to research along those lines. And at the end of this whole thing, this research internship, I'm not going to have a book done, but I might have like a long paper done with a bunch of research Mm. that if I ever want to make it something else, I, I could. That like that sounds like such a cool class. How many hours is that class? Uh, that is sorry, I adjusted my mic. That is just three credit hours. Um, but that's the one that. Uh, the reason why I even got into all of that is based on what you were saying with reading. On paper, mm-hmm. it looks like I should have a really easy semester. But I definitely need to structure it out because I'm afraid with that class specifically, I might just like dive into dive into the deep end of research and stuff and have it kind of rob me of all of my all of my time and energy if I don't kind of set, you know, the two days a week I'm going to be at the library or something like that. Mm because it is only it is only a three hour thing so i don't want to i don't want to go crazy on it but super uh, over invest into it yeah yeah it's always weird for me with with uh sorry go ahead no go ahead well i was gonna say it's always weird for me with research related stuff and i don't know if you feel the same way that is hard to know what is uh legitimate or what is mm. 
it, it sounds bad to say good enough, but I guess what I'm saying is if you tell me to write about my opinion or even write, you know, fiction or poetry for that matter, I can sit down and do it. But when something is supposed to be researched and have sources, it it gets complicated and I don't know if I'm doing it right. Mm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, I'm like, I tend to make it way harder than it's supposed to be. Mm. Like you're not sure if you're like using correct sources or using enough or using them in the right way. Well, I guess I don't know. Like when something's supposed to be researched to me, that means that you're not stating your own opinion and the research is sort of a stand in for, you know, this is more rigorous and this is not just some, some person's writing and yeah, I, I guess I don't really know what my issue is, but like we did this one 10 page paper for this one course and I typed it all and I, I legitimately thought I might fail the project and even it oh, would wow. mess up my grade really bad. And then I ended up getting like an A on it. But when I'm pulling in other people's sources, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's not my thoughts and I'm not as like in, intricately aware. I feel like I'm not doing it well enough. I don't know what the deal is. Does it kind of feel like you're you're using their sources to back your opinion and that doesn't like click well? Yeah, that might be it. That might be. It might just be kind of like a not exactly imposter syndrome, but. If you asked me to give my opinion, I could do that. But yeah, what you said, if I'm using somebody else's words to make my argument, it kind of just feels like I'm doing a really roundabout way of the same thing. Like I, I could almost be more, more true and more direct by just saying what I think instead of pulling other stuff into it. I really don't and know. And that might be... That might be more. It is like the is like the true point, because you mentioned earlier, like. What like what's good enough? It, it feels weird, like having a research paper where you have these sources and you're like, is this supposed to be scholarly? Like. Is someone reading this paper going to understand that, like, this is just a student reading it and it's not like a scholarly article, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I'll just give the example. And I think I actually do know what it is. I think it's that I like to boil everything down and feel like I completely grasp it before I can before I can write on something. So mm. that's why it feels really overwhelming to me to like research a, a subject and then have to put it together because I know that there's so much more knowledge out there that I'm not going to be able to tap. So like for this whole thing I'm doing this semester, this research thing, uh, I'm doing it on the subject of like character loosely and sort of different meanings, uh, sort of playing on like double and triple meanings of the word character. Like there's character as in integrity and your, uh, sense of morality on the one hand, and then there's character as in a a person that you play, like an act that you put mm -hmm. on. Um, and so I have a pretty decent breakdown. I actually have an outline of like, if I was going to write a book about this, here is, here's the outline. Here's what I would say. But the mm -hmm. second you pull research into it, I'm like, Okay, well, obviously, I need to understand exactly how the brain works. And I was going into mm. with my professor like psychology and all of this and all of that. And it's kind of just like I'm either all in or all out. I don't know how to research appropriately without obligating myself to completely grasp it. Like becoming you either have to like not touch on it 
or become like a master of it. Right. And Which so I, I had a I had a professor too though when I was writing a paper because I use a kind of a passive I have a passive uh, tone when I write my papers like I'll throw out a lot of like in my opinion or like according to the source or like I'll use like language like that to kind of be it like to kind of self give myself that like fallback of like hey I don't have all the answers but I've had like a professor be like, Hey, you should write with a more confident tone and just say, yeah, this is how it is. And I I don't know if I like that because I don't know. Anyone can have a confident tone. Anyone can even have a source and a confident tone, but that doesn't mean that like they know. Yeah. I doesn't mean I know. Right. I think that is sort of why it feels weird is because we've seen it done wrong so many times like the example i think of would be just turning on the news or something and you have somebody who has one quote that they don't even not one quote one quote or one one stat is what i was thinking that you know is just completely out of context but they're building this whole well obviously because of this you know that means that that and that this person is you know whatever We've seen it done poorly so many times that it it feels weird when you feel like you're doing the same thing. Like, oh, well, yeah. it feels like I'm just cherry picking quotes. But there's nothing to make it. I don't know how far you could go that it's ever not going to feel like cherry picking, which is maybe what your professor is saying. Like, you need to you need to do your work and stand by it. I guess. Can't I stand by my work and also say, like, I don't, I don't know everything, but according to this source I read, quote source. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And maybe it has something to do with the. The format, too, because there is a time and a place for. Being more. Uh, confident, more resolute versus being more passive i guess but yeah i don't know i mean maybe i always kind of blame it on uh the fact that i took 10 years off of school and it's been so long that i wrote a paper that i feel like i don't know how to do it anymore well maybe part of what it is too like this might be part of it for maybe just for me like i i think i've had papers where i felt really bad because I had my beginning part of the paper and then I did my research and the research changed my mind on the initial argument I was going to make. So then I feel bad because the end of the paper is me being like, hey, after kind of looking at these sources and researching, I don't think this is going to be as effective as I once thought. So it's kind of like scientific methoding, Mm. a, a subject in a paper. Like, here's my hypothesis. Here's like my research here's my result um but i feel like most papers aren't structured like that they're structured like arguments here's the introductory argument here's the sources here's the conclusion um but i feel like the more researchy your papers get the more maybe they have that kind of like scientific tone where it's like here's a hypothesis here's the research at least that's how it is with literally like scholar like scholarly articles I'm reading for classes. It's like, hey, we think that if we set up this program in schools, it'll help kids to deal with trauma better. Okay, here's all of the research we did. Uh, after looking at the research, we tried this, this, and this. Here's our conclusion based on the research and the application of our theories. And here, like it, it's like a three page paper that's all just scientific method. And sometimes they have that. So maybe it's just one of those things where you learn, you shift from feeling like, I feel like maybe in high school, I felt like I had to like argue my paper to get the A from the teacher. Like I have to argue with the teacher to figure out why I have an A, but maybe now it's more like, 
the paper is more to help me to learn and a teacher might still give me an A, even if I disagree with my initial hypothesis. I don't know. This is all theory crafting. I should actually just ask my professors what their opinions are. <laughs> um, well, this actually – so that was all, I guess, sort of a tangent for me that I wasn't planning on getting into. But it actually does connect with what I was going to bring that's actually pretty short. So in Advanced Expository – like I said, we're writing like personal essays. Uh, and I think towards the end, we're maybe going to get into memoirs. We're going to spend one week on that, which is slightly similar, but also slightly different. So the first class was just, you know, introductory stuff and we we're getting into it. We read a packet of examples of essays and we're kind of just, you know, reading them individually and then coming together to say what we liked about them, what we didn't like, what stuck out, that sort of thing. And a few of the things that really stuck out, these are all really elementary, by the way, but I'm going to bring them anyway. A few of the things that stood out, one of them was this essay that was supposed to be like kind of awe-inspiring and kind of motivational it seemed like, but it read like a newscast. It was very factual and every single paragraph of it started with like with with a date, essentially, or with like hmm. context of timing. So it was like in 1964, dot, 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 this happened. And then it would be that paragraph. And then the next one would be like in fall of 1974 this happened and then kind of like expand on it further. It was very factual and it did not hit at all. Like we all kind of had the same feedback for it. Um, there was that. And then one of the, or I guess a few of them that we liked a little bit more always started with, with the person's uh, perspective with the writer establishing their point of view. And again, this is like very elementary stuff, but uh, it was just an interesting exercise to highlight that again of like the stuff that gets across isn't just pure facts. It's a lot of times we, we want to hear two things. We want to hear a story and we want to hear a human perspective. Mm. That's what, that's what grabs us. And so what we're talking about with research papers is kind of a uh, just proof of that. I don't, you might. Can you hear uh, my neighbor's motorcycle outside? Yeah. yeah. Revving it up. Getting ready he was, to go. Yeah, talking. And then he, I guess, got on the motor. I don't know if that's his motorcycle or his truck, but oh, well, you guys can deal with it. <laughs> Florida man. Um, but yeah, so our our frustrations with writing research papers is actually exactly what I was kind of thinking about. It's like you're you're writing it and you've got all these facts or quotes or stats or research, but even so you're like, what am I even doing? Like our mind just isn't uh isn't it doesn't naturally gravitate towards pure facts always hmm. which is kind of a scary thought i guess it explains why why so many things are popular like why opinion shows are so popular why like podcasts are so popular because it's i guess like you said it sounds better you would rather hear someone's opinion on a topic than just hear straight facts about a topic. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where you wonder if that's a good thing or if it's a bad thing. Yeah. Like as a, as a writer, I'm like, I totally get it. And that's what I do is I try to write and come up with things I think will grip people. So that part of it, I totally get. But when you think about the news or the internet or, 
whatnot. I mean, that's what that's what propaganda is, is like taking advantage or exploiting people's exploiting how people hear things. You know, it's not just whether or not something's true. It's also the presentation of it that probably carries bigger weight and whether or not we want to receive it. Hmm. You know, that's why I, I do appreciate like people who do work so hard to make educational inform like educational and informational shows entertaining. Like I think um, like the green brothers, I think you, probably know who they are john and hank i know who john's they are, written couple, yeah yeah john's written a couple books hank's written a bunch of stuff our uncle who's a school teacher you probably know they do the the a, a lot of classroom shorts get used by them for like they do like history and physics and math videos um oh, i think really? they yeah and i know i've heard i listen a lot more to hank green because he's got a lot of science videos uh, but i've heard him say like he always watches stuff on like comic theory and a bunch of stuff like that. Cause he's like, I, you know, most of the information I deliver is very, it's statistical, it's scientific, it's boring. So I'm trying to think through how to deliver it in a way that engages people. Um, and you know, it just makes, it makes that work that they're putting into it seem so much more noble. I've heard before that Shakespeare doesn't like some of Shakespeare's plays like there's kernels of history in the plays. I I think I heard somebody say before, like some of his plays that would have been like presented was also a way of keeping the public up to date on some like some history. Like even if the characters in the play were fiction, like some of like the greater themes of like certain Kings or certain kingdoms or certain policies were more like modern day. It's definitely possible. I, I don't know for sure. Cause there are, there are different ways that stuff like that happens. You know, sometimes it's just incidental because the person is, writing i mean they're a product of their time so it has to be set somewhere and then there are other examples where yeah the writer will like really deliberately choose a a time period to to use you know like charles dickens with the christmas carol or um a scarlet letter like both of those were written at the time they were written they were already set in the past and so they're making commentary on the past using the history. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's, it's interesting to me that like where my mind goes is not politics as in politicians per se, but like cultural uh, conversations about politics, like just the mm. internet mm. and just the things that you talk about, you know, at the water cooler when politics comes up, I think that I've seen in, in recent years, like it just seems to me like we've gotten more, the more divided we've gotten, we've also gotten more serious. If that's the word serious as in like, Oh, there's no time to play games. I gotta, I gotta hit you with the facts, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. like, I got to I got to bring the receipts and we can't even have this conversation if, you know, you can't admit that, you know, kind of like bringing a checklist of things that like a checklist of concessions that like this is what we have to agree on before we even talk. Um, And I guess I understand that impulse if there is a like something politically that you're super passionate about. But anyway, it was just a reminder in class this week of like, oh, yeah, but that's not actually what grips people like. It's kind of ironic that in some ways, like the more serious you get about trying to make your point and having 
making sure everybody knows that I'm trying to make a point, the further you you shift into that gear, you're like ensuring that people won't actually listen. Huh, which is ironic because I feel like where a lot of people get their information from nowadays is from like opinion pieces. Like you watch you watch people who present their opinions on like news and that becomes people's news. And the reason that's effective is because it is exactly what you're talking about. It has way more of the human element, way more of you getting the empathetic reaction of someone talking about like the news cycle. And because of that, that has an emotional imprint on you. It makes you more passionate about it. But then when you go and give that to someone else, you're not giving them that same presentation. You're just giving them the diluted facts which then people don't want because the person you're giving those facts to has their own emotional experience that's led them to why they hold their facts dear. So it's kind of like the the further down the information trickles, the more it dilutes to just the facts that we then hit each other with. All of that's theory, by the way. So I'm not saying that factually. <laughs> well, yeah, it's really like it's it's very all or nothing. I think that we feel the need to have our conversations be completely, you know, I mean, all or nothing. I already said it. Uh, I think it's interesting what you're saying with the Green Brothers, because maybe that is something that I need to grow in myself is thinking about how I couch, how I package the points I want to make, I guess. I don't know. Cause with, with writing, I'm not necessarily trying to teach anybody anything. I, I don't feel like anything I do is educational, but at the same time, you make a good point with them of, I mean, they've obviously got some things going for them of figuring out how to make people care about what it is that they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just using the different just, tools available, whether that's humor or like the aha factor. Um, I think John's written a couple drama, like a couple dramas. So he probably knows how to tap into emotions. It's it's just really like really fascinating and kind of puzzling that that the truth of something isn't even really like the determining factor in whether or not we want to hear it. Like I just, <laughs> why, why is it that way? Yeah. Well, because like, I don't know we're whether you have the opinion that we are, you know, created by a relational God to be in a relationship with him or whether you believe that like we evolved as these uh, relational beings, like what, helped us immediately to survive is access to the relationship. Like our access to our, you know, God designed relationships, like with our mother and father and communities and with, you know, God, that, that, that relationship is life giving. Likewise, the relationship with the tribe and that community with like immediate caregivers, it's the relationships that matter, not the facts. So, like, I think we are kind of biologically predisposed to connect first emotionally more than, like, factually. Like, even, like, people who – I've talked to people who are very – like, they're very educated. And when it comes to, like, politics or opinions or whatever, they could they could argue someone down for why their view is right – but I don't think they'll convert anybody because there's no emotional connection. And so that just seems really cold and uncaring, which is ironic because I know for a fact that that person who's making the educated arguments has a lot of emotions tied into 
those facts, but that's just not what it's weird enough that like factual information seems uncaring. You almost have to like pocket the factual information in like a more empathetic blanket, which then to me can sound slimy a little bit, but I guess. Yeah. Well, that's then, probably more how like, you use it than how it is, I guess. Well, I think everything we've said so far is like the point we're making, I think is true that you can't just have the, a uh, uh, true statement you need to present it the right way but then you can take the exact inverse of that and we've definitely seen the people who have the all the right things to say but then they're just wrong you know Mm. but people go with it because it sounds nice because they have the right things they 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 present it in a way that seems appealing but then it's just like yeah but what you're saying is just not true so it's it's just weird it's kind of i guess the goal is to have both the goal is to try to have something to say that's true and accurate and also to try to um to try to present it the right way Hmm. this is all like very abstract and sort of ethereal but it's kind of stuff I'm thinking about because a, like I said, I've only been to school one day so far, so I didn't have a lot to bring, <laughs> but B I'm trying to figure it out for my sub stack. Like what is my sales pitch? Like what is the problem I solve or elevator mm. pitch? I guess even, even more so, you know, cause like I write about things that I think are important to me, but over the break, I had a few people that I was like telling them what I'm up to and they're like, yeah, so what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, and then it takes me five minutes to explain. <laughs> I feel like there should be like a one sentence version of why I do what I do. And I'm trying to, I'm sort of circling it right now in this conversation. Maybe like, especially cause like you said too, you're not necessarily educating, like educating people. I know the family reunions we were both at together for like around Christmas, the family members we had who have read your blog spoke very highly of reading your like opinions on grandpa Pritchard and what like stood out to you. I think I remember one person saying, sorry, I'm just shilling for your podcast right now. <laughs> this episode's brought to you by Tim's Tim's uh, <laughs> Tim's Substack. Check it out uh, as it were on Substack. Um, but they said that like, it wasn't like too overly emotional and like you were setting him up as like some kind of saint. It just was like you saying, here's what matters to me that I've learned from my grandpa. And maybe that's the package. Like that's why people like that is because it had that emotional side to it. Can you just, can your Substack just be that? I don't know how you market that. I'm a writer who just writes about feeling good sometimes. You just want to read my feel good sometimes uh, substack. Yeah. Well, I think that that a lot of times I I feel like a lot of times I write something that is like 1200 words or whatever and it ends up that you know, like the moral of the story, quote unquote, is something that we have a bunch of cliches for already, you know, mm. like this isn't a real example, but sometimes it feels like I write something that's like a thousand words when really it could have just been like, if you don't have anything kind to say, don't say it at all. You know, those sorts of just really basic, like I said, cliches, they're cliches because they're sort of things that we've all agreed on and passed around. But I feel like when you hear it in the cliche form, it doesn't grab you. It doesn't hit home. No. And so, yeah, I think there's something to like, uh, there's something to trying, like what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to sort of 
maybe write like a transformational type truth, but do it through like some sort of side door that you don't realize that that's what we're talking about until we get there. And then Mm -hmm. maybe it'll, maybe it'll stick with you a little more. Yeah. No, I I like that. Cause like even going back to what you said with the cliches, like I was talking with someone, I think literally today who somebody said something to them that was this very profound, like in once again, this is me distilling it. This person had a very emotional, like positive conversation with someone. And as they're retelling this conversation to me, they're like, "Ah, but here's the thing, man. Like, isn't that kind of cringy? Like what they said. And I was like, well, that we came to the same conclusion. I think you came to is like, it's cringy when you pull it out in the Petri dish and like, look at it. And it's cringy. Like when you see it in like, poorly produced movies and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean it's not powerful. Like it doesn't mean it's not like a very useful truth. It just, it has been presented in a cringy manner. Um, That's like saying that because you had one bad piece of chocolate cake, that all chocolate cake is bad. No, it can be done very well, but like you can also just get a bad slice. You're just making good chocolate cake. That's your that's your job. Making good chocolate cake. I think that's it. So when I picked the name for the Substack, um, when I, as it were, when I picked that, it was one of those things. It was totally just like a gut thing that I picked. And I thought it was kind of hilarious um, to call it that. But I think the reason I think it's funny actually does line up with what I try to do as I'm writing, which is. You know, that phrase, as it were, is like the most pretentious way (laughs) of saying like, eh, more or less, like it it means the same thing. And so, yeah, maybe maybe that does fit. Like I said, maybe I am taking twelve hundred words to write something that could be said in five words, but something about uh, dressing it up helps i don't know i don't feel like i'm gonna land on this tonight but it it helps with my the branding it's all about the branding (laughs) it's all about the branding and we've probably like subliminally i don't think i said that word right it also doesn't help that i'm right really snotty anyway we've probably like uh planted the seed in all of our listeners brains to check out your uh, sub stack at this point they're just going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I feel like I should read something. <sighs> Much appreciated, if so. <laughs> and that is the episode. Thanks again for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you guys on the next one.